offensive speed was on display during day three of New York Giants training camp. We're going to take a look at that as well as some camp highlights. We're going to talk a little bit about the rookie struggles and why it's not time to panic. And we have the numbers on Andrew Thomas's mega extension. All that coming up on the Locked on Giants podcast next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and this is a special weekend edition of the Locked On Giants Podcast free and available wherever you get your podcasts, by the way. Uh, And you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trina. And uh, we can continue the conversation if you want on our new subtext community. Join subtext.com slash NY Giants. All right. On today's show, the New York Giants had a practice on Friday night. So I'm going to give you some day three takeaways from camp highlighted by the speed that was on the field, some really good speed on display. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the rookie struggles of Jalen Hyatt and Deontay Banks, who have had kind of a rocky start to their respective camps. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then I finally have the correct numbers for Andrew Thomas's contract. Um, they, They just recently came out over on Over the Cap. So I've got those numbers and I have some thoughts about that contract, which I will talk about on today's show. So again, thank you for joining us on this special Saturday edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. And let us get into it, shall we? We're going to start off with camp takeaways. Now, I mentioned that speed was on display and uh, I want to talk about, you know, just what the Giants did during the team part of the drill. So primarily during the team part of the drill, they took more deep shots down the field. Matter of fact, they've been taking more deep shots down the field in these first three practices than I remember them doing last year. And I don't know if that was because, you know, they were still learning the offense or they just didn't have the uh, the talent that they felt they needed in order to stretch the field. But we've been seeing a lot more in terms of speed down the field, a lot more in terms of guys breaking across on crossers, streaks, flies, posts, all kinds of deeper patterns that have been going on across the field. So uh, what does that mean for the Giants? Well, you know, Brian Dable and Daniel Jones, and Darius Slayton, all of whom who have been speaking to the media, have talked about how they want to get more deep fields, uh, deep passes down the field, more explosive plays. So we've seen that so far with, um, with with the passing game. Now, a couple guys that stood out in that regard included um, Darius Slayton, who, by the way, Darius Slayton, you compare his performance this far, thus far in camp as opposed to this time last year in camp, Slayton's playing with a lot more confidence. You know, last year he didn't really have a good camp. There was talk that he might be on the bubble, that he might be on his way out, but I'll tell you, it's like a new man that you're seeing with Darius Slayton. He's not dropping passes. He's he's doing a better job positioning his body to make these, especially these deep downfield passes. Slayton actually schooled 
Deontay Banks on this one particular deep pass, which he caught down in the corner, just shy of the end zone during the, the Friday night practice. And it was quite a catch, by the way. Um, how he held on to it, I don't know, but it was a great catch. It was great body positioning to stay in bounds and just an overall great play by Darius Slayton. Another guy who has put speed on display, you know, we've mentioned Darren Waller. We've mentioned uh, Jalen Hyatt when, you know, has shown some speed, but a guy we can't sleep on, ladies and gentlemen, Colin Johnson. Now, initially, I didn't think they were going to have room for Colin Johnson on the roster. I still don't know if they will or won't. But I'll tell you what, Colin Johnson is really making it hard, at least early on in camp here. Johnson just, you know, I don't think I've seen him drop all but maybe one pass. I think he had one drop in the three practices. He's made some nice catches. And, you know, when we look at the deep passing game that the Giants are, have been working on, one common trait that I see time and again is the back shoulder throws. So Daniel Jones has been doing a really good job putting the ball where only the receiver can get it. And, um, you know, save for a couple of, of throws, like particularly with Darren Waller, where he just totally put the ball way over Darren Waller's six foot six head. Um, Daniel Jones has been accurate. So there's, there's reason to believe that the deep passing game is finally going to come around for the New York Giants this year. If everybody stays healthy. So that was uh, certainly encouraging to see. The other thing I want to comment about is how the coaches have been scheming these guys open. Now, again, it needs to be said that we're still in the acclimation period of training camp. So there's no uh, contact allowed, no live contact, which means you can't really bump the guys around, you know, coming off the line of scrimmage. You can't jam them or anything like that. But what I've seen a lot of is, is you know, multiple mesh patterns where, you know, I guess the best way to, to explain it is that, you know, you see a receiver going maybe on a slant to the left and then one going on a slant to the right. And they, they kind of mesh. And at that point, that's when the ball gets released and the defender doesn't know is the ball going to the receiver running to the left or to the right. Cause it's just, if you watch the quarterbacks and how they're throwing the ball, they're looking right where that mesh point is. And it kind of creates confusion and I saw a couple, you know, more than a few cases where the defensive back was like, okay, is it going to the left? Is it going to the right? Is it going up the middle? So just a little bit more trickery, I think, from the offense that we've been seeing in some of these deeper passing game attempts. So overall, again, it's only three days. It hasn't been in pads. But so far, the offense, I would say, looking a lot better this time of year than it did last time, this time last year. So uh, that was the main takeaway with the speed, you know, just impressive stuff there. Um, what else can I tell you? So there was also um, some mixing and matching on the offensive line, which, you know, Coach Dable said was going to be the case. So you saw, you know, Ben Bredesen at center, John Michael Schmitz played center. At left guard, it was Joshua Zudu. Um, during day three's practice, you saw Tyree Phillips, who I think is the top, candidate to be the swing tackle. He took a few reps at left tackle for Andrew Thomas. He also played a little bit of guard for the Giants while, uh, you know, guys were getting breathers because it was a really kind of hot, nasty day. Uh, even though it was a night practice, it was, it was just kind of brutal last night. So, um, so yeah, they've been rotating guys around. Uh, 
And, you know, the thing with the offensive line is, again, even though th- there's no contact yet, that's coming on Tuesday when the pads go on, the uh, the defense, the, especially the defensive front, was getting the better of the offensive line, you know, with some jailbreak type sacks that would have, you know, or would have been sacks. Um, but uh, they're still trying to figure out, I guess, what they're going to do there. And, you know, look, anything short of John Michael Schmitz as the starting center and Joshua Zudu as the starting left guard, I think would just be an absolute upset. I think that's how they want it to be. But you know what? Ben Bredesen, you can't count him out. And uh, he's been doing well in, in you know, the drills and whatnot. So you, you just can't count that guy out. And, um, you know, he's been competing at left guard and at center. So I, I do think they want to try and find a spot for him. I don't know if they will on the starting offensive line, but at the very least, he's going to be like O-line number six. So there'll be a spot for Brendan Bredesen. I really, really think there will be a spot for him. So, all right, a few other um, observations from day three. Graham Gano, Yon, wake me up when he when he has a bad practice. I mean, so far in camp, I think he's missed just one attempt. And last night, he, he tried easily, like, at least three field goal attempts from 40 yards out. And I think two of them were from 50 yards out and he knocked them right down Broadway. I mean, what else would you expect from Graham Gano? Mr. Automatic, right? So uh, Jalen Hyatt, um, who has not really been involved as much in the passing game until Friday night, he had a lot of passes thrown his way, but his highlight pass or highlight reception, I should say, was a fingertip grab on a ball thrown by Tyrod Taylor. Now the Giants gave uh, Hyatt first team reps and second team reps. So they really kind of upped his workload a little bit on Friday night to get, you know, to hopefully get him out of the funk that he started off in. Um, Jeff Smith had a nice sliding reception of a ball that was thrown by Tommy DeVito. And Tommy DeVito, I just want to say, you know, the first, you know, camp practice, I I was like, you know, picked up where you left off in in the springtime. The Vito's looked a little bit better the last couple of days. I still don't think he makes the 53. If anything, he's going to be a practice squatter if he, you know, if he passes through waivers, but he's he's starting to settle down a little bit more in terms of the offense. So I just have to throw that out there because, you know, can't let you think that I still think that the guy is the, is isn't, you know, very good. Um in terms of the drill work, outside linebackers we're, we're doing an interesting drill regarding their pad level, you know, cause they've got some tall guys at outside linebackers. So what, the, uh, what coach Drew Wilkins was doing, he had like a, a wooden broomstick handle or dowel, whatever you want to call it. And they were lowering it. It was kind of like the limbo. You ever, if, you, if you ever seen the limbo where you have to like duck underneath the, the limbo stick and not touch it, the drill was kind of similar, except the pass rushers or the outside linebackers were kind of, coming out of their, their stance. And they had a, as they approached the stick, they had to kind of duck down and make themselves small so that they could, you know, become more of a ball of power. So that was kind of an interesting drill. I thought Um, other things that other highlights from the practice, Micah McFadden rotated with Darian Beavers as the second inside linebacker alongside Bobby O'Karake, who, by the way, I have a story on giants country that just came out. Um, around 10 o'clock this morning. Great story about Bobby O'Karaki's leadership and how he kind of, you know, 
the early lessons he learned in leadership and including um, a, uh, an internship, a very special internship he had. So check that out if you get a chance. So anyway, McFadden, I thought, had the better of the practices between himself and Darian Beavers. McFadden had a pass breakup, just looked a little bit more active out there, a little bit more sure of what he was doing. You know, Beavers, with you know, to be fair, still technically kind of considered his rookie season since he did lose his rookie season last year due to the ACL but still very much in the mix. I don't think, you know, Beavers is going to go down without a fight. Darnay Holmes was primarily the slot receiver and um, Daniel Jones on a, on a keeper sprinted right by him. <laughs> Darnay just did not take a very good angle on Daniel Jones. Boy, Daniel Jones can sure run. I mean, we've seen it obviously, but he was, he can really turn on the jets. Um, Darren Waller, I mentioned him. What continues to amaze me about Darren Waller is how he uses his height to his advantage, whether it's to block out the ball from the defender, to go up for a jump ball, putting that high catch radius to, to uh, good use. Now, if a ball is sailing over Daniel, uh, uh, Darren Waller's head, you know that Daniel Jones put a little too much on it. So we've seen a few of them. And an interesting, you know, question I'm I'm kind of curious to ask, and I think I will try and ask that of either Dable or Jones next time Jones comes to the podium, is that does he have to release the ball a little earlier or a little later, depending on the height of the receivers? I don't think that's the case. I think it also has to do with the depth of the pass target. But I've noticed that on some of the taller receivers, Jones has sailed a few balls over their heads. Whereas with the shorter receivers, he's been a little bit more accurate. You know, I don't have an official count, but it's just an observation that I made note of um, in my notes last night. So that's a question I think I'm going to circle back on and see if I can get an answer about, because I am curious about that. Um, So that, in a nutshell, is the practice. I mean, defensively, you had um, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. They managed to get a few, quote unquote, sacks. But, you know, that's I I put that on the fact that the offensive line, they were rotating guys in and out. I don't think it was just, oh, God, here we go again. The offensive line is going to be garbage. I think it was just, you know, like I said, the the rotation of guys in and out. So those are some observations. Now, in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit more about the struggles of the rookies who I, you know, didn't really dive into too much in this particular uh, segment. So. I will talk about that coming up next. Hey, Giant fans, our partner at eBay Motors has teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. And if you're looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts, With the last pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, you can catch an initial spark for your roster by revving up with two elite NFC East wide receivers, the Cowboys' C.D. Lamb and the Eagles' A.J. Brown, a letter-perfect guaranteed early fit. Count on Lamb driving Dak Prescott and Dallas' new-look passing offense to big numbers, and Brown revving up Jalen Hurts' downfield throwing often again in Philadelphia. And Giant fans, if you're looking for a guaranteed fit for your vehicle, 
you need to check out eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly all year long. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay's guaranteed fit helps you to understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle. So go forth, switch gears, crank up the AC and say goodbye to sweating when your ride needs a little fixing up. Because with eBay's guaranteed fit, everything you need for your vehicle is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and this is a special edition of the podcast. It's a weekend edition because, look, training camp, there's no breaks in the schedule. I mean, well, actually, there is a break. The Giants are off today, Saturday, but they did have a practice last night, and I promised you I would do a pod um, as soon as I could on Saturday morning. You know, some of you said, well, why don't you do something live, Pat? And I'm like, yeah, you know, to do something live, just, you know, you come in from that heat and that heat takes a lot out of you. But I made it. I didn't melt, obviously. So just stay hydrated. That's the key. If you are going to Giants training camp, by the way, make sure you hydrate, folks, because it's been really, really bad as far as the heat and the humidity. But anyway, thank you so much for joining me on this particular edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. As well as every day, a shout out to my everydayers, to my newcomers and everybody in between. Thank you so much for some of the lovely comments and emails that you've sent about the podcast and, you know, finding the podcast and enjoying it. That just, you know, puts a smile on my face and I will continue to do my best to give you the best content that I can. All right. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, a question that some fans had, and that is the struggles of Deontay Banks and to an extent Jalen Hyatt, two rookies, obviously. The first thing I would tell you, you know, um, about Deontay Banks, who let's let's face it, you know, he's he's been beaten a few times by by receivers. He's been schooled by some of the more experienced receivers. But folks, let's put this into perspective with Jalen Hyatt here. Number one, the speed of the NFL game is light years ahead of what they see in college. That's number one. And Banks who, you know, is not much of a talker. He was on a conference call with the media on Friday, pointed to that fact. You know, he said, you know, when he was asked what's been the biggest adjustment, he spoke about the speed of the game and just, you know, needing things to kind of slow down a little bit for him. But here's the other thing that I don't think a lot of people take into consideration when they look at, you know, cornerbacks or, you know, even pit players and whatnot. There's no contact allowed right now because we are still in the acclimation period. So basically what that means, folks, is that the receivers can't be jammed coming out of the, off the line by the defensive backs. And you don't know, you know, maybe once contact is is allowed, you'll start to see banks start to jam guys, which will slow them down a little bit and help him with his coverage of these guys. So that's certainly a possibility to keep in consideration. So that being said, you know, for those of you who are panicking and saying, oh, my God, the Giants screwed up with the Banks pick because he hasn't had a good camp. Folks, it's just too early to panic. It really is. 
let's see what happens when the pads go on. Is the kid going to get burnt a few times? Yes, they all do. He's a rookie. You know, to expect a performance kind of like what Sauce Gardner of the Jets had last year, you're really not being realistic, I think, because they don't happen very often. And I know, you know, some of you are like, well, Banks is in the NFL now. He should be better, blah, blah, blah. Folks, he's a rookie. He's taking notes on what he's doing wrong and what he needs to do to improve himself. He's taking notes on how to study the opponent and find little cues to help him in his game. You know, it's going to take time. And, you know, again, for those of you skeptics out there who say, well, didn't he do that in college? The college game, I don't care what team you're on. It's just not the same as, as the NFL game. It's just not. Better competition, faster pace, you know, more complex defense in most cases. So let's give Deontay Banks a little bit of a break, shall we? Before we we say, oh, my God, he's headed for Bustville. To see how he does in the preseason games and in the early season part of the year. Jalen Hyatt, let's talk about him. Now, somebody, I forget who it was, but somebody um, wrote me a comment or a letter and said, hey, I heard that Jalen Hyatt is getting frustrated by his role in the offense. I don't think I ever detected that from him. You know, early on, yes, was was he used more like as a decoy or on a jet sweep? Yes. But, you know, patience is a virtue. And I don't know if Hyatt you know, has been necessarily impatient. I haven't spoken to him. I know a couple of colleagues have spoken to him one-on-one. He hasn't hit the podium yet. I'm sure at some point, you know, I'll hear from him either on the podium or through a one-on-one, but um, it's a process. And, you know, Brian Dable spoke about that, about gradually getting the rookies involved. You know, some coaches will just throw a rookie in head first, throw everything at him and just set his head spinning. You know, previous Giants coaches have done that. Dable and this staff take a little different approach. And I think it's a better approach in that, yes, you give them a little bit more advanced stuff, but you don't overload them because you don't want to have their heads spin. You want to gradually build them up because look, if you throw too much at a guy and he can't grasp it, what's going to happen? He's going to get frustrated He's going to start to make mistakes. His attitude is going to turn sour. He's going to get discouraged. And now the coaches are going to have a bigger problem on their hands. So I just think that the approach that Dable is taking with Hyatt and all the rookies for that matter is smarter. You know, give them a little bit more each day. Don't overwhelm them. Let them, you know, make their mistakes, correct them in practice. And above all, don't get on them. You know, one good thing about Dable is as fiery as he could be on the practice field, when it comes to, you know, the mistakes that the players make, and particularly the young players, Dable would rather see them make them in practice at this stage of the game than in a game when it could potentially, you know, cost them yardage or whatever, or touchdowns or points, whatever. So it's a balancing act, but, you know, this is why it is so important to have good teachers as coaches. And that's what the Giants have with Dable and, and, and this coaching staff. You know, Jerome Henderson has been the picture of patience with, you know, 
Deontay Banks, um, Mike Groh with with uh, the receivers and, and Jalen Hyatt in particular, they know that these guys aren't finished products. Their job is to help them get as close as possible to being finished products before their careers are done. So it's going to take some time. But for those of you, again, who are panicking based on the reports that came out of practice these first three days, like, oh, my God, the Giants screwed up. Nah, let's let's cool our jets a little bit and see, you know, what the next several weeks are going to bring about. It's a long summer, folks, a long preseason. And uh, we've got quite a ways before we get to opening day when it starts to count for real. So hopefully that puts your mind at ease a little bit, I hope. All right, Giant fans, coming up next, we have the breakdown of Andrew Thomas's contract, the full breakdown of the contract, um, including the correct cap space. So that is coming your way. Next, don't go anywhere. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me on a Saturday. For those of you who are watching it on a Saturday when the show drops. All right. Now, Andrew Thomas's numbers are finally in. Let's break them down. I'll give you some impressions about the numbers and, um, you know, some takeaways. Overall, the first question I think a lot of people wanted to know is, is it an extension or did they rip up the last two years of Andrew Thomas's rookie deal? Folks, they added five years onto the deal. So Thomas's last two years of his rookie deal still in effect. The cap number for him for um, for this year dropped down just a little bit, and I mean a very little bit. It's it was over ten million initially, and it's nine point two nine one million this year. So the Giants, in terms of salary cap space, they have. million of space. It should be enough to get them through the rest of the summer, maybe the start of the season. But I still think at some point they're going to have to do something with somebody's contract. Whose, I don't know, but um, I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them through the rest of the year. There is going to be more salary cap space created once they make, um, you know, the training camp cuts and stuff like that. So we'll have to just see how that all shakes out because that's always the case. All right. So, Let's talk about Andrew's specific contract. It um, at no point during the uh, the first four years, and that includes 2023, 24, 25, and 26, does that contract exceed 9.2% of the total team salary cap? That is key. You don't want to have, if you can help it, you don't want to have a player who counts for over 10% of the team's total salary cap. So Andrew Thomas in 2024, his cap percentage uh, is going to be 9.2% as he carries a 23.675 million cap number. All right. Which by the way, that number, that 23.675 is the highest number, the highest cap number um, of the deal. So Otherwise, he's hovering around 20 to 22 million as far as his cap number for each remaining year outside of uh, 2024 of the deal. All right. So this year, Thomas has a base salary of 1.02 million, which was what he was due on on his rookie contract. The prorated bonus jumped up to 8.271. That's because the signing bonus kicked in, obviously. So that that raised it a little bit. But otherwise, um, let's see. The guaranteed money 
is in 23, 24, 25, and 26, those, those years of the contract. In 27, 28, and 29, there is no guaranteed money. The signing bonus, the prorated signing bonus right now is at $3 million per year outside of 2023, you know, because like I said, he still has the signing bonus from his rookie deal. So um, that was something like five something, if, if I'm not mistaken, 5.2 million. So, you know, you add on the 3 million extra, that's where you get the 8.2. So the way this contract is structured, the Giants can get out of it after 2026 and they would only have to eat 3 million in dead money if they were to get out of the contract because the final proration hits the contract in 2027. All right. So signing bonuses, remember, can only be spread out up to a maximum of five years. So even though Andrew's contract is, is for technically seven years with the, the extension, the signing bonus, they got to jumpstart on it now. And by 2027, that's the last year of the proration of the numbers. So kind of a, a, an interesting structure and a good structure, I think, a smart structure. So um, let's see, the Giants also have a $5 million roster bonus in here for Andrew Thomas for 2024. And then in 27, 28, and 29, he can earn a 2.5 million roster bonus if he is still on the roster. He gets a per game roster bonus every year of the contract, except for this year. So starting next year, he can earn up to $1 million in per game bonuses. So that comes out to about 58,000 and some change per game that he is active. And that takes into consideration, obviously, the ankle issues that he's had thus far in his career. $500,000 workout bonus every year of the contract starting in 2024. And I believe he also has some incentives for Pro Bowl and uh, All Pro. So overall, folks, not a horrible deal for Andrew Thomas. It's, it's a pretty fair deal, the structure. Um, it's not going to really chew up the Giants cap that badly. Uh, if let me just take a look, a quick look here. I think next year he becomes the highest paid giant or one of the highest paid giants. So in 2024, all right, Daniel Jones is actually going to have the highest cap number with 45 million, according to over the cap. And then Andrew Thomas looks like he's going to be the second highest 23.675. So the giants in terms of cap space, because I know a lot of you like to no, what cap space do we have for next year? Right now, the Giants look like they are going to have $48.399 million in cap space for 2024. But again, folks, that number is going to change between now and then. It's going to go down. You also have to allow for the signing of the draft class. So you got to take at least like figure $10 million or so off that total. So that's why I don't like to look too far ahead as far as cap space goes in 2024 and beyond. But for 2023, Giants not in horrible cap shape. I mean, right now, as you know, the top 51 is still in effect. So um, that's going to continue until the first week of the season when they have to get everybody, including practice squad, IR, and all the other reserve lists. They have to get them all under the cap. So, you know, Overall, Joe Shane running a masterclass over there with regards to the salary cap management, trying to clean up the cap and give himself the best possible um, 
conditions to work with so he can acquire assets as needed. So that's the numbers for Andrew Thomas. And that will do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. I want to thank you again for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. We'll be back Monday with a new show. There is giant practice on Sunday, but I'll be back on Monday with um, a, a recap of Sunday's practice and Monday's practice. We kind of go back to the, the morning practices for Sunday and Monday. So hope you will tune in. Appreciate you for, as always, and uh, we will see you again on Monday, Giant fans.